fans of this of the global revolution. As always, we are Coolest Guys Around, bringing to you all the wrestling which may be falling under your radar. This week, talking about a couple of very fun shows, both of them coming out of that WrestleMania weekend with a million billion shows that we just had a couple of weeks ago. Gonna cover a few more of those, I'm sure, before all is said and done. This week, we're gonna be talking about uh, the first episode of the first ever weekly independent wrestling show beyond wrestling's uncharted territory very cool concept very cool lineup we're going to talk to you about we're also going to be talking about orange cassidy is doing something or whatever who knows the last minute put together show for wrestlemania weekend i think uh, replacing a different show that didn't end up happening and uh, it's hosted by orange cassidy so you know we are huge fans of orange cassidy so of course we had to check this one out and i do of course say we because I would not, could not, should not do this by myself. I'm joined by a lovely, wonderful man. He's my friend. He should be yours. He's called Jeff. Jeff, say hello. Hello, everybody out there in podcast and internet land. Jeff here. Miz fan there. Still some more WrestleMania weekend shows on the slate for you this time. Uh, had a real, real fun time with these uh, two shows we're going to be talking about today. Um, yeah, they're both uh, a little bit. I think a little bit weird. Really good, both shows, but uh, <laughs> a little bit uh, strange, as uh, Ms. Finn said. For one of them, the first ever weekly um, independent pro wrestling show, Uncharted Territory, run by Beyond Wrestling. Um, really just a cool concept in and of itself. We're going to be checking out the first episode. Maybe, just, just maybe in the future, we'll be checking out uh, more of that. I think that could be a pretty decent uh, idea, um, just because, you know, being able to sort of have that sort of exposure, have that sort of show from beyond is just, it, it's just in general, a really good and cool idea. So maybe we'll see more of that. Who knows? But there's also, um, I guess Orange Cassidy was doing something or whatever. Who knows? Um, and yeah, that show was also, uh, incredibly weird, incredibly bizarre. <laughs> and we're going to get into all of that, uh, bizarreness here on this episode this edition of the global revolution and it's going to be a heck of a fun time if i do say so myself uh i couldn't agree more my friend glad that we are back with the show let's get right into it let's talk about mm-hmm. some orange cassidy um now i gotta say gcw i've enjoyed a lot of their kind of specially promoted shows that they've done uh, i did spring break two last year i was a big fan of Bloodsport also did a bless for it this year. Might check it out. I'm interested. Um, uh, but yeah, when they put Orange Cassidy's name on a show, that, that was something I knew that I had to check out. I really am just such a big fan of Orange Cassidy. Um, and I will just say, just just straight out, um, I was I liked the show overall. I liked it quite a bit, actually. It was definitely weird. Um, my only big complaint with it is Orange Cassidy doesn't actually wrestle on this show, and that was a little disappointing to me, you know? Well, I mean, he is the host of the show, and he is doing something or whatever. <laughs> um, it's definitely... If Orange Cassidy has the potential to show up and do something in the ring, you do kind of want to see Orange Cassidy show up and do something in the ring, because he's just one of the most unique characters, one of the most fun personalities, definitely brings a whole lot to the table in terms of, you know, actually doing some wrestling. So, yes, a little bit disappointing. He uh, didn't really see him actually work a match on this show. But you know what? I was, uh, for the most part, honestly fine with it. Because uh, just the general booking of this show kind of 
kind of made up for it for me because there was a lot of very weird, bizarre things that very much felt like only Orange Cassidy could uh, make them happen and put them uh, in the ring the way they they happened. So, yeah, I thought the show was uh, still very fun, very phenomenal show, one of the uh, weirder ones I've ever seen, but I was digging it. I dug it a whole lot, even without uh, an Orange Cassidy match proper. So, yeah, good times. Uh, Fair enough. I I did enjoy it as well, as I said, but uh, still... I don't know. That's what I was hoping for. We didn't get it, so it was a little disappointing. But it's, it's okay. Um, one thing that I was very happy about is right at the start of the show, uh, a ring announcer is picked from the audience at random, uh, or so they say. That ring announcer happens to be none other than a man that we both know and love, Loudon Noxious. And i got to say, I'm extremely pleased that he was on this show, that that was honestly one of the highlights for me. <laughs> yes, indeed. I remember uh, seeing this happen and watching Kevin Loudspeaker, Loud Noxious, whatever you want to call him as, whatever you know him as, you know, getting picked out of the crowd and becoming the uh, ring announcer for the show was just, you know what? I, I haven't really heard a lot about Gavin or Loudon uh, recently. We did see him a few times in bar wrestling, but on some of the last few shows we saw, I don't think he was doing a ring announcing or commentary, maybe one or two. So. You know, it's just always nice to hear his voice, hear his enthusiasm shine through when he makes his call. So, yeah, great way to start off this show. Very much so. Um, we move right in to our first match, which is a very unique match. Sorry, one second. <clears throat> uh, it's a uh, four-way elimination Swamp Monster Lumberjack match. The crown the queen of the Swamp. It is uh, Soraya Knight, whom I know better as Paige's mother, Shotzi Blackheart, Alley Cat, and Chris Statlander, all all in this match. So four uh, very talented women. I, I think I'd seen all of them except Chris Statlander, and I've definitely heard about her. Um, coming together here, and I, I thought this was pretty fun and definitely a good start for the weirdness with all the uh, swamp monsters surrounding the ring. So there's like six or eight swamp monsters um, just like chilling out. Um, Yeah, this was, this was a, this was in any other circumstance. I think this would have been a really like, just a really potentially good match. You have Soraya Knight, a British wrestling legend in her own right. Also the mother of Paige who is, you know, showed up here to kick a little bit of butt. Um, Shotzi Blackheart, Chris Statlander, and Alley Cat all getting up to their various uh, gimmicks and characters and stuff. Chris Statlander apparently from like from a, a space alien uh, out of Area 51, um, escaped from Area 51, doing some weird mind control stuff in this match, I recall. Um, Alley Cat, of course, we've seen her on uh, Chikara shows in the past, being, you know, an Alley Cat. Uh, Shotzi Blackheart, Blackheart, apparently a pirate? Or something. I think this is the first time I've actually like watched a Shotzi Blackheart match and had any uh, understanding of her character. So I think she's like a goth pirate chick or something. Anyway, it was all very fun. It was all very weird, um, and it was only amplified in weirdness by the fact that there were like ten swamp monsters roaming the ring, who apparently didn't really want to get up into any action. Were very sweet. And like kept putting people back in the ring or getting dove on. It was all very, um, it's all very hectic, all very weird. If I remember correctly, Soraya Knight is eliminated first. I'm gonna down to uh, Alley Cat, Statlander, and Shotzi. I think Statlander ends up 
eliminated next, bringing the match down to Alley Cat and uh, Blackheart, who have, I thought, some pretty fun exchanges towards the end of this match. But in the end, Alley Cat does pick up the victory to become the official Queen of the Swamp. Um, apparently this was a day or maybe a few hours after she had won supposedly a million dollars in a different battle royal. So not only is... <laughs> Um, Alley Cat, a million dollars richer, and also apparently the queen of battle royals, but also now the official queen of the swamp, whatever that entails or means. So, yay, good for her. I <laughs> guess, I think. Yep, uh, yep four very talented women putting on a good match, and uh, I'm always happy to see any number of swamp monsters. I'm, I'm more used to seeing one swamp monster, but uh, I have no problem with seeing a dozen or so if they uh, feel the need to surround the ring. I wonder how, how they got that role. Like, who did they ask to be like, hey, put on a ghillie suit and you're the swamp monster now. And there's like seven of you. We've got these seven suits. Just put them on and go out there and do something. You're the swamp monsters now. Like, who, who, how, how did you find people specifically for that role? I, I just, I need to know. I need to know. Well, we can only assume at least one of them was CM Punk, if not all of them. So Apparently. <laughs> Which is apparently a big deal, I guess. I don't know. That was a weird story about Punk. Apparently, he's been wrestling as a masked wrestler, or showing up as a masked uh, wrestler, like once every full moon or so for promotions elsewhere. I not I personally get it, but like everybody else is kind of like freaking out about it. I don't understand. Anyway, um, <laughs> it's what it is, I guess. Fair enough. Uh, our next match on this card again has a bizarre stipulation. It is a seven. Out of 13 Falls match, and it is uh, Logan Easton LaRue, who you may know better as Race Jackson or Blank, in uh, in another role, taking on Chris Brooks of CCK. Although I don't know if there's a CCK now, because sadly I believe I saw Kid Lycos having to retire. Uh, due very to his, unfortunate. Yeah, very accumulated unfortunate. injuries and bad luck, and just, yeah, really very unfortunate. I feel bad for the guy. Yes, indeed. A very uh, seemingly talented dude. Only got to see him a few times, but he was very fun when I did. Very uh, energetic sort of dude. Very uh, enthusiastic as well. And unfortunately, it seems like his in-ring career has come to a very uh, a sudden halt due to a lot of injuries that he's accumulated over the years. Just He's always had just very just some of the worst luck I've ever seen for a professional wrestler. And it's heartbreaking to see a guy... Um, apparently that young, you know, that enthusiastic about the the sport, the industry, uh, have to be uh, forced out of the ring at such a young age. So uh, best of luck to Kid Lycos, whatever he wants to do next. Hopefully he'll still be involved in uh, in pro wrestling somehow, some way, because I think he brings a really good energy every time I see him. And I think uh, pro wrestling world could use, you know, could always use more of that type of energy. So best of luck to you, Kid Lycos. Um May your career continue to be as uh, wonderful outside of the ring as it was in the ring. Absolutely so. Um, in the meantime, we do have this match to contend with. Um, and I've got to say, uh, I don't know if it's just because I've appreciated him as Blank more or because I like him in this role more or just whatever it is. But yeah, Logan Easton LaRue um, is a big winner for me. You know, there was a time where I didn't necessarily like um, this performer that much, but man, I, he's won me over uh, in mo- multiple ways recently. So he's he, he just one. felt, <laughs> I think, both as uh, Logan Easton Larue and Blank, he just feels way more natural mm. and 
comfortable in this role than he ever felt as either version of Race Jackson, either the good uh, goody two shoes face character in NRG or the uh, weirdly derivative and not particularly entertaining uh, Race the Face Jackson. Mm. Um, he just felt very much in his role here. He felt very comfortable, um, like punchable, but not in a bad way. Um, I don't know. He was just doing a good job here, and I, uh, yeah, he felt really good. And part of that might have been also working a a very weird seven out of thirteen falls match. I think the first time in history that has ever happened. I can only assume. Um, <laughs> and also working against uh, Chris Brooks, who I have a a much higher appreciation for outside of uh, Schadenfreude. Um, he seemed very fun here. He had Kid Lycos running around doing some cheating for him throughout this match. Really, I thought these were two uh, very game competitors coming out here to do some some kind of funny antics here and there, and also some uh, occasionally serious wrestling as best they could. So yeah, this was, I think, just kind of a perfect storm of fun uh, characters and things coming together for this uh, very, very wild match. <laughs> yeah, so a ridiculous match with lots of very quick falls, low blows, Flash pins working over and over again. Um, I've got to say, and this probably won't be the last time I say it, but a big winner in this match, uh, I, unless I'm misremembering, but I believe Bryce Remsburg, the referee, correct? And doing Do just, believe that uh, is the a case, spectacular yes. job in this match. So that very, very cool uh, on his part. Really mm-hmm. having a standout weekend from all I have heard. Yes, indeed. Uh, we will have to, I think it was on the, one of the spring break shows, but uh, he did wrestle, apparently, a two-person invisible person match where he was the uh, the referee for and apparently did an incredible job um, selling, essentially, literally nothing happening. So only <laughs> Bryce Rimsberg could do such a wonderful job at that. Uh, we will hopefully be able to check that out at some point because, yeah, Bryce is just a national, a global treasure. Not a national treasure, a global treasure. So... He was uh, fun on this show in particular. He refereed a few matches. Enjoyed seeing him. So, yeah, good ups to uh, Bryce Rimsberg, one of uh, the best talents in professional wrestling, period. Indeed. Uh, had a lot of fun with this match for sure. Uh, we get the final win for Chris Brooks on the 13th fall, of course. So, uh, good stuff here. In fact, I think uh, Kid Lakos tried to cheat. Um, unfortunately, Logan Eastner LaRue caught him and uh, gave him some uh, comeuppance only for Chris Brooks to still find a way to put away um, Logan and pick up the victory. A good, very weird, wild, wacky match. Uh, indeed. Um, speaking of wild and wacky, our next match is a uh, scramble match. It means just a bunch of guys basically wrestling each other all over the place. And the winner we get a gift certificate for 20 scratch that, $16 to wherever the heck it was for. What, what did they it say? Was it was Friendlies, for? which Friendlies. is some sort of, I don't know if that's a bar in the area or what, or some sort of restaurant chain or something. Some sort of thing. I don't know. We're ignorant. It was specifically, I think it was $16 and like 48 cents. At the end, yes, Someone we had apparently, revealed uh, that there were some cents added to the, uh, to the situation. Um, Fantastic. <laughs> So uh, the wrestlers in this match uh, turned out to be Airwolf, Tony Deppin, Jigsaw, Jake Atlas, Dan Champion, Lucky 13, and Sonny Defarge, which is a very eclectic mix of people, but uh, a lot of very talented people. Some of these guys that I haven't seen before, some haven't met as impressed before and am now. Uh, I gotta say, really like Dan Champion. 
as being kind of a like just a, a, a thick, uh, solid guy in there, kind of throwing people around, kind of uh, bouncing off other guys, very grounded kind of guy, as opposed to a lot of the, the high flyers. Uh, Definitely had a very Deppin. old school feel yes. to uh, him, Dan Champion. He also had um blue ribbons on like his boots, which was a amazing, um, amazing detail there. Some uh, blue ribbon uh, awards on his like boots and stuff. <laughs> good, good, good character thing. Love it. Definitely so. Uh, I'll say also Tony Deppin, who I've been, um, you know, kind of uh, he's been growing on me a lot, and this match uh, was a big part of that. I think uh, Tony Deppin apparently had like an amazing weekend. So I've heard, yeah. And so far, I mean, it's borne out at least from this match. We have we have more Deppin that we'll probably see as we go through a few more of these shows uh, if we have time. But yeah, I thought he was he was kind of the standout in this one. Yeah, I definitely think uh, Deppin did a great job in this match. Uh, I thought Sonny Defarge also looked pretty good. Uh, Jake Atlas, who I've only seen once or twice before, apparently making a big impression on a lot of people during this weekend, this show in particular. Um, yeah, really just kind of had a fun time with everybody here. Lucky 13 was here. Um, I haven't seen him either ever or in like 100 years, so that was kind of cool. Jigsaw's here. Jigsaw's here, and everybody loves <laughs> Jigsaw, so this was a very, uh, this is kind of, I think, the the real big embodiment of the show was this particular match, just an mm-hmm. eclectic, weird group of, like, really talented individuals who all come from different, like, walks of life, different gimmicks, different everything, and everybody showed up, and they had a battle royal to work, and it was for a gift card to a restaurant that wasn't even completely full, 1648 on the card or something, <laughs> and they were just like, all right, go out there and have the time of your lives and work a good match, and you know what? This match was really fun as well. This was ridiculous. Um, there were people doing cool stuff. There was just just a general vibe uh, in this match and throughout the whole show, really, of just, just kind of everybody going out there and, like I said, both doing their best and really just having a good one heck of a time in the ring, and this match... Uh, with all of its characters, with the the prize they were fighting for, really, I think the embodiment of what this whole in- entire show was all about. So, a good one here. Absolutely, I would say just uh, in terms of like a proper match, it was probably my favorite one on the whole card, just in terms of having kind of the best action. Uh, mm-hmm. Other matches stood out more for comedy or for you know goofiness or character, perhaps. But uh, this one, yeah, this one had some really incredible. Uh, wrestlers just doing their thing, and that that's very cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jigsaw, who I think was like, I feel like he's not wrestled anywhere in quite a while, and kind of coming I... back for this match, yeah. Gets the win with the Jig and Tonic, gets that gift card, and just sticks it to his belly somehow. I don't even know how it got stuck on there, so so firmly. Wearing it like a championship belt, basically. It's great. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah, apparently I saw um, Jigsaw was apparently in either retirement or semi-retirement, and after this weekend and this match in particular, said that maybe he wanted to do a few more things. He was having a good time right now and might want to do some, some more wrestling before all is said and done. So we'll see. We'll see what he gets up to. I hope the Wrestle Factory's open for him. Jigsaw, always always a good guy to see. Um, uh, yeah, so uh, we have our next match on the card, which... Um, is uh, I I don't even remember like the gimmick name for it, but basically it's a, a match where you have to drink a beer every thirty seconds, 
And the wrestlers are uh, Nate Webb and Session Moth Martina. Uh, so there was a lot of drinking and a little bit of fighting. And um, <laughs> that, that was pretty much the match. And a lot of singing, too, of course. Uh, especially as Nate Webb uh, did his entrance. And, uh, you always Nate Webb playing air guitar yep. on uh, Bryce, Rimsburg leg. Bryce Rimsburg's leg was the uh, the major highlight <laughs> of, of this this match, I think. Not that the match was bad, but that's always just a cool, awesome sight to see. Absolutely so. Now, I gotta say, uh, I'm not really a drinker myself. Uh, alcohol, drunk humor is not necessarily my thing. Um... But uh, if it's your thing, then I think you'll have a lot of fun with this match. And, uh, you know, I didn't have a bad time with it at all. Um, there's definitely some funny stuff going on in this one. I, I think this match was genuinely kind of hampered on the entertainment front by it being, like, literally every 30 seconds they had to stop and take a drink. Mm. Um, mostly because sometimes it would look like they would... Like, like the idea essentially when they first announced it was that they had to like chug a beer every thirty seconds, and then you would see them kind of just take a quick sip and maybe not even actually drink anything before continuing on, um, mm, which yeah. obviously is understandable from a like health perspective. <laughs> like if you actually had to chug a beer every thirty seconds, this match would be probably about ninety seconds long and everyone would pass out. But um, it. It felt like they had an idea, and I I don't know if they necessarily completely uh, hit a home run off of it the way they wanted to. Um, certainly wasn't bad. It was a very fun time because it's Nate Webb and it's uh, Session Moth Martina, and it's also Bryce Rimsburg and a, a very um, energetic crowd. So really a lot of elements working together to make this good, but uh, this might have been my uh, sort of the one that had the least amount of overall effect on me uh, positively. Not that it was bad, it just uh, it, it didn't quite work for me. Oh, I, I would tend to agree. Um, even so, uh, somebody won this match, or maybe nobody won this match. I actually can't remember. Um, I think nobody won. If I remember correctly, I don't think anybody won this match. It went to like a time limit draw or something. Or and a double both, pass out or something. That's what yeah. it was. I think they both passed out and Bryce said, well, I guess that's it. So just in the well, end, yeah. nobody wins, but everybody wins. <laughs> Indeed. What is the song that Nate Webb enters to? I'm, it's a big thing, like for the people who know it, but I, I couldn't make I it out. I think it's Teenage Dirtbag, I think is what it is. Okay, all right. I don't know what the band is, but uh, definitely remember hearing those lyrics and everybody singing it every any time it came up in the song while Nate Webb made his very, very long entrance during this match. <laughs> yes, I believe it's a point of pride to uh, play the whole thing every time he enters. Um, so, uh, yeah, it sounds about right. Um, there, there is something endearing about that. I don't know. Music and wrestling is fun, as long as it's not uh, somebody coming in and uh, forcing you to sit through their little concert. So... Uh, all right, yeah, so uh, our next matchup is not a match at all. It is, in fact, a dodgeball game. And, uh, yeah, your two leaders, Veda Scott and Faye Jackson, they're going to pick sides. we got uh, a lot of people here to pick from. We have Eric Royal, who we've seen uh, back when we did a few CWF Mid-Atlantic episodes. Very talented guy from there. We have Wheeler Yuta, Tara Calloway, Red Eagle, Shazza McKenzie, Daniel Makabe, I think I'm saying that right. Yes. Uh, Jeff Cannonball, Sage Phillips, 
and MJF. And that, that's all the people to choose from. So one by one, everybody gets picked except for MJF. And I got to say, MJF was another show stealer here. And another guy who didn't even actually end up wrestling at all. Um, just continuously sure he'd be the next person picked, continuously reacting in uh, overblown ways every time he wasn't picked. And then uh, when he ended up not on either team, he actually stole the balls and went home. Literally took the balls and went home. So they're forced to have a wrestling match instead of a dodgeball game. And everyone which, which eventually led to like a upset about this. The crowd, they, I've never had a crowd uh, hate, a, hate the idea of seeing a wrestling match so much. And uh, at, really at a wrestling match. show, I think they chanted wrestling sucks. I believe they did. At a wrestling show. And that was not the single weirdest thing that happened on this show. In fact, it made a lot of sense, and that's very bizarre. Um, God, this was an entirely just ridiculous, funny bit of stuff. At one point, um, apparently De- uh, Tara Calloway and Jeff Cannonball are like a, a married couple, and Jeff Cannonball gets picked for one team, and then I think Faye Jackson picked K- Tara Calloway for the other team. And Jeff Cannaval was so upset and so, like, offended by this. He eventually yells out, that's my wife, at the, the top of his lungs. And uh, I think they squared <laughs> off at the beginning of the match. And Jeff Cannonball pouted when uh, Tara Calloway got the better of him. Um, really, just, just those two, I think, were the uh, stars of this match. There were a lot of good things. There were a lot of good people in this match. But for my money, uh, Tara Calloway and Jeff Cannonball, uh, Cannonball in particular, really just won me over here. They, they were quite delightful, weren't they? Um, everyone was a lot of fun in this match. Um, Except I, for that ham bastard MJF. How could he? How <laughs> dare that man? How dare uh, he? I truly love MJF. I've got to say that. Um, Faye Jackson's team gets the win here. If it matters, it doesn't really. But uh, basically everyone getting a, a submission tap out at the same time in this five-on-five match that they were forced to have because they couldn't have the dodgeball game they really wanted to. Mm-hmm. Uh, we follow this up with a non-wrestling segment of the show, but one which might have been the most over segment like of the whole card uh, for whatever reason. You have Teddy Hart. He's here with his cat. He takes Gavin's scarf because it weirdly matches his outfit like perfectly. Um, and basically, he's supposed to like read a, a book, a little like a kid's book about a cat. Um, but before he does that, he basically just does a promo praising uh, guys like Orange Cassidy, guys like George Janelli as Orange Cassidy come out. Uh, they do a little bit of comedy shtick together. Teddy Hart finally reads the book, and uh, the crowd reactions are just hilarious because they are chanting like, holy shit, and you say fuck for these like very simple children's, uh, I, don't, I, like, I don't know, I want to say lyrics, but it's not the right word. I just like these very simple childish statements that are in this book and the crowd is just going nuts. Orange Cassidy like can't stop himself from laughing in the ring. Like he's breaking character even a little bit. I don't know. This, this, there was a lot of fun stuff in this little segment here. I'm actually going to admit I did not watch this. Oh, well, okay. Um, All right. Uh, mostly because Teddy Hart came out and he came out with a cat and at the time, I was like, I'm not going to have enough time to sit through this and listen to whatever weird, bizarre thing Teddy Hart is going to go on about. So I'm just going to quietly move past this because um, this 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 was even too weird as a setup for me. As Teddy Hart came out here with his cat and a child's book in his hand, 
then produced a chair and proceeded to sit in it and talked. Um, I don't know. I was very not confused or disturbed or anything, but I was like, I don't know if I want to sit here and do this. But it sounds like this might have actually been a pretty good time, and I should go back and watch this, because I, I don't know about you, but people <laughs> chanting, holy shit, at a children's book um, sounds like a very unique experience. So. <laughs> I, I gotta say, I, do go back and watch this if you have the time, because I've always been very mixed on Teddy Hart. I'm like, this guy's too weird. He seems like he might kind of be an asshole. You know, he's got all kind of these things against him. But the promo he cut was, like, so heartfelt and so, like, genuinely positive about wrestling and these people who are out there, like, making making this product basically out of nothing, you know, in a world where uh, a lot of wrestling is corporately produced on one level or another, this, this is very much truly independent stuff. These guys are out here just kind of living their dream. Just, just like, I, I think better of, of Teddy Hart for this promo. And then, yes, just for, like, the crowd reactions. It's some of the most fun crowd interaction stuff that I have heard in a long time. So, yes, I, I didn't think this would be much of a segment either. And weirdly, it ended up being, like, a big highlight of the show. So, yes... Go watch it. I, I think I will. I think I will. <laughs> good Lord. Oh, my. It's hard to even really articulate uh, what made it so good. But if, if you're able to see it, you'll understand, I think. So please do check it out. Mm-hmm. Um, the next match is probably the most normal thing on the show by, like, a large, large distance. I don't know how it got on this show. I'm happy that it's on the show because it's pretty good. Uh, it is Jonathan Gresham taking on uh, Japanese legend Shinjiro Otani, who was uh, brought over for the weekend and wrestled uh, a number of interesting people. We may see more of him as well if we watch more of these mania shows. Uh, but yeah, you basically got two super grapplers here, and they just get down to it, and they have just a really good uh, technical match. I, I had a lot of fun with this one. Yes. A very technical bout, a little bit of hard-hitting shots here and there from these two as well, if I remember correctly. Otani picks up the victory off a sit-out powerbomb. Um, really just a... Uh, it, it's weird how a straight wrestling match can be considered weird on a show, but that's basically what happened here. Uh, Jonathan Gresham took on Jinjiro Otani, um, two uh, veritable legends, basically, in terms of their skill level. Uh, what Otani has done and uh, what I think uh, Gresham can do in the wrestling industry. Um, really just, just having, as Ms. Fan said, a straightforward, technical um, bout between these two, and it was a heckin' good time. And it was made even more heckin' good, I think, by being on this show surrounded by all these other bizarre, weird, strange things that were happening. So, once again, another really good match on this show. A uh, uh, Particularly good if you like the actual in-ring works uh, part of pro wrestling. So uh, if you enjoy that, go to give this one a check. Um, highly recommended. Really, really good stuff. Absolutely. So, um, of course, um, uh, Shinjiro Tani wins this match and then does his, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen the gif on Twitter, but he does his sort of, I guess, a uh, famous celebration of like stumbling on the uh, ropes as he goes to climb up them, but uh, <laughs> catching himself and then putting his thumbs up. In a uh, victory pose. It was very funny, very ridiculous, very good. I, I had no idea about any of that, but good for him. Glad that uh, people recognized and enjoyed that. That's uh, that's cool as far as I'm concerned. Um, 
our uh, second to last match on this card is a very special one minute time limit match pitting against each other the best friends Chuck Taylor and Trent um, they have 60 seconds to wrestle and they basically spend the whole period getting ready getting psyched up by the time they lock up their minute is over but the crowd demands five more seconds they get those five seconds Trent gets the win with the roll up um, I don't know how you can rate this as like a real wrestling match, but just as a fun segment, it was very fun to me. I enjoyed it, and it certainly did not take up very much of my time, so all good in my book. This might have been one of the most over things on this show. <laughs> also um, true. This was just, I mean, it's Chuck Taylor, it's Shrimp Redder, and it's also Bryce Rimsberg, also here refereeing this match. Um, so it's, you know, that, that's a good combination of three people. Uh, there's also one minute to wrestle. Um, they basically do a lot of, like, Iron Man match tropes uh, with the five seconds afterwards. <laughs> really just just very bizarre, but everybody loved it. I loved it. I had a fantastic time. I think I laughed the whole way through. This was, once again, highly ridiculous. It was almost... I, I, I kind of think this entire show was basically just, like, if you had a really weird dream and it came to life... Like, if you had a dream about wrestling and you had, like, a, a, a show made up of just really weird things that happened while you slept, like, this would be the show. And this match in particular, I think, uh, was sort of that. Here's a one-minute time limit between the best friends. Go. Uh, this was good. This was weird. This was funny. This was fun. Just, just really just go watch this whole entire show. You, we, we can only do it so much justice speaking and giving our thoughts to you, the listeners. So... Go check this out. If any of this sounds like it might be right up your alley, um, I highly recommend just just putting your eyeballs on a screen and watching this, because that's really the only way you can get the full experience of what we went through watching this show. Absolutely. Well worth the, what, like 10 bucks or something that something it costs like to, to see it? Yes. So very well worth your time to check it out. Uh even more so because of the last match on the card, which ended up being one of my favorites. I don't know about you. It is a Christmas death match for some reason. I have no idea why in, in the middle of April we had a Christmas death match. But we had it. It was between Nick Gage and my man, Ultra Mantis Black. We get a special appearance here. And uh, you look at this card, and you can tell when they put somebody's name on one of these cards. Like, they put... Joey Janela on Spring Break, they put whoever for Bloodsport, they put uh, Orange Cassidy on this. You can really tell that person is actually really involved in putting this show together because uh, if you know anything about Orange Cassidy, um, the fact that he's able to bring in people uh, like the ones that he did, um, well, it just makes a lot of sense. I'll just leave it at that. Uh, awesome to see Ultramantis Black. Bizarre to see him in this weird scenario, but uh, I actually thought this was very fun, not too gruesome for being a death match, but with some very good spots, some creative stuff, some uh, entertaining wrestling, uh, everything just very fun, which was uh, very much the name of this show. Yes, indeed. Um, the only reason I can assume there was a Christmas death match is because uh, Ultramantis Black has... Um, like a whole sleeve of Christmas and Santa-inspired tattoos. It's on his left are. arm. I really had no idea, so there you go. 
That, that's the only reason I can assume this match happened that way, that uh, Ultramantis Black really loves Christmas. Um, on one hand, you have Ultramantis Black, uh, former grand champion of Chikara, uh, current like semi-retired pro wrestler, a vegan activist in a band, um, who's just really a bizarre character in his own right, mm-hmm. uh, but very on kind of one side of the spectrum. And then on the other side of the spectrum is his opponent, Nick Gage, Mr. MDK himself, and who has been to prison and come back, um, and they wrestled in a Christmas death match where they threw each other into a Christmas tree. They, like There was like, um, oh, what are they called? The things you put on the uh, Christmas ornaments were like shoved into a board and they like got slammed on one another. Um, this match was not exceedingly brutal, but definitely kind of brutal. There yep. was some barbed wire involved. They were getting slammed on the outside and onto the apron. Um, yeah, this was one heck of a time as well. Um, pretty much every match on this show uh, delivered in some aspect. And this was a uh, Yuletide Christmas death match. And you know what you got? You got some Yuletide, you got some Christmas, and you got some death in this match. So, <laughs> yeah, this was um, another very weird thing that happened, but a very good thing that happened. I had a great time watching these two beat each other up and try to beat each other up um, using anything they could get their hands on in the spirit of Christmas and giving, I guess. So, yeah, just just a very, once again, fun, bizarre, hectic time in, uh, in our main event here. Another match that really encapsulated what this show was all about. So, yeah, just, just more good stuff. Absolutely so. And the fun was not over yet. Um, after the match, MJF reappears attacks Nick Gage, gets on the mic, insults the whole show, uh, saying he should have picked first for dodgeball, which was great. Um, Orange Cassidy appears and uh, just sort of like lazily lounges up behind him. MJF notices him, critiques him, insults him, so he doesn't even know how to do a surprise attack, but that's where he's wrong because Orange Cassidy spits orange juice right into his eyes, and then uh, Orange Cassidy, Nick Gage, and Ultra Mantis all beat up MJF, and they wear sunglasses together, and if that's not a feel-good ending to a wrestling show, I don't know what is. In fact, I have a, uh, I have a photo that I took uh, during the show of the three of them all in sunglasses posing together, <laughs> and it is officially the greatest professional wrestling photo that has ever existed. So, Agreed. yeah, it ended on an incredibly high note did this show good just really once again this show is very much like a dream a fever dream that has come to life and we can only do it so much justice by talking about it i highly encourage anybody interested in any of the wrestlers you heard on this show any of the antics that you heard on this show go watch it just just go just plop down the nine or ten dollars whatever it is and go watch orange cassidy is doing something or whatever who knows uh, through, I believe it is Fight TV, the Fight Network, uh, we got this show on. So uh, go go check that out, because that's the only way you're going to really get um, even a fraction of the full experience of what this show uh, brought. So go do that. Go watch this. It's a lot of fun, a lot of weird things happening. Just, just a very good show overall. Absolutely. Super fun time. Glad we checked it out. Glad Orange Cassidy's name was on it. It uh, lived up to his uh, uh, style very well, even if he didn't actually have a match on the card. Um, So, yeah, we now move on to uh, 
show, which sort of kicked off the weekend, not actually in the WrestleMania era, era area, but uh, uh, on April 3rd, which was like the Thursday or something before, and sort of started off. I believe this, it was officially the Wednesday, I think it was. The yes, Wednesday sure. before WrestleMania. That sounds about right. I knew it was kind of before mm-hmm. everything else started happening. A lot of these people then drove to New York from wherever they were. Um, but uh, yeah, it's uh, uncharted territory. It's going to be a weekly show. Definitely think there's a chance we could be checking out more of it because I like Beyond Wrestling. I like the idea. I like the kind of chance they're taking on themselves here. And, uh, yeah, I think uh, they book a lot of good people who deserve exposure. They generally have uh, really great presentations. So, yeah, I'm, I'm very down with Beyond Wrestling. I think uh, could be a lot more of them in our future. What do you think? Um, I, I definitely like sort of the general aesthetic of Beyond Wrestling. I really like how far Beyond Wrestling has come. I remember mm-hmm. when it was kind of like a – Closed shows, wrestlers only, kind of wrestling in front of, like, themselves, the locker room, basically, as their own audience. Um, And I remember it really started off as this very small cult thing, basically. And to see how far it has come, to see how big it has grown to the point where they can, you know... I think they were always a little bit on the cutting edge when it came to who they were booking, who they were getting behind, uh, some of the names they were kind of exposing to the world, as it were. Um, I think they were a little bit ahead of the curve on some of that stuff. Mm. Um, so they've always been a very interesting and unique promotion that I've, you know, wanted to get into, get into a little bit more of. Um, so the fact that they can sort of grow from that initial start in 2009 to where they are now, where on this show they announced that uh, American Rana 2019 is going to be happening. I can't remember the name of the location specifically. But it's apparently, like, the second biggest uh, casino and resort in the United States. Like, I don't know. That seems, like, it seems pretty cool for a company to, like, be on, you know, a small independent pro wrestling company to be able to um, pull something off like that. I don't know. That just seems, like, you know, pretty cool, pretty um, – just kind of speaks to how far they've come, how far they've grown as a company – um, and they put on a really good product, typically involving a lot of pretty good wrestlers, as they did on this show. So, yeah, I, I'm pretty happy to see uh, what Beyond's doing, and hopefully we'll get the opportunity to check out more of Beyond Wrestling and more of Uncharted Territory as we go forward here in 2019. Mm. Yep, I, uh, I think there's definitely a strong chance we will be able to do that. Uh, we go to the show itself. We start off with some six-man tag action. It is SoCal Uncensored. Christopher Daniels, Scorpio Sky, and Frankie Kazarian taking on uh, Team Pazuzu, which I, I don't understand the makeup of Team Pazuzu. It seems to have, like, ten different numbers. I, I guess I haven't followed uh, Beyond Wrestling or, or this group enough to kind of know who all is involved. Um, but uh, Chris Dickinson is definitely in the mix, and so are uh, Ortiz and Santana, be they LAX, be they EYFBO, be they whatever they are. Because they are the three on the other side of the ring here. Um, this uh, I uh, thought this was an enjoyable opening match. Didn't necessarily blow me away or anything, but uh, it was quite fun. Um, we also get a bit of a hint that uh, we'll kind of have some week-to-week storyline advancement here. Because we have David Starr showing up, getting involved, distracting Chris Dickinson, and uh, pretty much taking uh, the match away from Team Pazuzu. SCU getting the victory here. 
Yes, indeed. Apparently, this was uh, due to something, uh, a previous issue in Beyond between uh, Chris Dickens and, and David Starr. So this is kind of David Starr's response to that. Come out, distract Dickinson, uh, pull him away from the ring, and allow SCU to pick up the victory. And what I thought was, this 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 was an okay match. I don't know if, I felt like there was some kind of a little bit of awkwardness towards the beginning. Um, I mean, this match was fine. It's, it's, it's uh a whole bunch of pretty good people. Um, I felt this could have been better, but for what it was, it was pretty good. Hmm. Um, I always like uh, Ortiz and Santana, uh, EYFBO. Um, kind of low-key, one of my favorite tag teams. They're just they're really energetic. They're really fun. Uh, they always have pretty solid matches anytime they get in the ring. I really do enjoy them, so I'm always happy to see them in the ring. Also happy to see uh, my boy Christopher Daniels doing some stuff, uh, hitting the uh, Angel's Wings in this match, just doing some... Uh, Fun stuff. Always a good time seeing him. So I had a uh, at least a uh, positive experience with this match. So yeah, it's all right to me. Definitely so. Um, weird thing always. Uh, I'm so used to seeing David Starr in kind of the uh, WXW, you know, over to OTT, other few places in Europe. That 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 David Starr, uh, kind of getting used to that character. And then I was seeing him in the United States, and he's, like, supposed to be this terrible heel. I think commentary even said, David Starr, oh, he's ruining Beyond Wrestling. And I'm like, I'm sure he isn't, because he's David Starr, and he's great. And also, I just, I always feel like he's miscast in these roles. But he always ends up doing them, uh, especially in the U.S., and I don't know why. So, just, just a bit odd to me. Yes, it's it's always the thing for me that he is he is good in this role. Sure, but he is like transcendental, I think. Yes, at, in WXW with the uh, character he portrays there. So to watch him sort of just kind of not necessarily devolve, but he just takes on a different character, takes on a different role um, in a lot of other places, and that's it's not the David Starr I'm used to, and it's not the David Starr that I most enjoy. It is a good David Starr. It's a good version of David Starr. Don't get me wrong. But it's 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 not the one that I would pick um, probably ten times out of ten. Not nine times, ten times out of ten. I much prefer the sort of underdog, beloved by everybody, hard-nosed um, kind of fighting spirit of babyface WXW David Starr. That's mm. the one that I prefer. Um, his his work elsewhere is always really good, but it just it doesn't quite hold a candle to that. So. It's what he, however, as Miss Fan said, it's kind of what he keeps doing. I don't know if it's uh, the promotions themselves, if it's him, if it's something he's more comfortable with doing, if it's just that uh, the WXW version of him is a bit of an outlier, sort of a bit of uh, the thing he's doing differently. I don't know, but um, it's kind of what he's known for, I guess, and he is good at it. He's just not uh, as good as he is in WXW, I think. Yeah, yeah. I'd, he he can still be a jerk in that role. He often is, I think, you know, in that WXW role. But, uh, yeah, there's just something really works for me. So uh, I'd love to see more of that kind of everywhere he has gone. But uh, even so, mm-hmm. David Starr, he's always going to be real good. We're going to see him in the main event taking on Masato Tanaka, which is a very cool uh, idea for a match in the first place. So uh, I'm definitely down for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, second match on the card is the one that I was maybe looking forward to the most. It is MJF taking on Kimberly. Uh, before the match, we have MJF getting on the mic, getting uh, the crap booed out of him. 
He says, loser says, boo. Oh, and he tricks the crowd because he's MJF. Ah, oh, he's such a he's such a top guy. I love this guy. Um, <laughs> also, very fun in the ring. Big bumper. Uh, does a lot of stuff for Kimberly, who, as usual, looks really awesome in here. Uh, the only downside to this match is uh, it's very short. It ends up only yes. being like five or six minutes, I think. Uh, MJF pulling some dirty tactics, uh, getting that win with the slingshot pile driver, which did look very good. Um, but yeah, I would have loved to see more of this. Even so, probably still one of my favorite things on the card, just because everything seemed to really, really hit perfectly uh, for mm-hmm. what it was in this match. Indeed. Definitely want to see them have more time in the future for a rematch or something. But uh, what we got was a very high quality when we got it. Um, you, you, you failed to mention, however, um, the apparent, uh, the singing at, uh, David, St- uh, not David Starr, uh, MJF at the beginning of this match due to a, uh, old clip of him from, uh, Rosie O'Donnell, um, several years ago, 20 plus years, probably, um, resurfacing online of him singing, you are my sunshine on the Rosie O'Donnell show, which got, uh, sang at him, uh, Kimberly basically leading the crowd on very, uh, very fun stuff at the beginning of this match uh, with the promo cut beforehand and a really good, if short, match uh, that we got following that. So just just another really good, fun time overall between these two sets. Um, love love Kimberly. Love MJF. Uh, good stuff here. Just wanted a, a little bit more of it. Absolutely. So uh, perhaps we'll get more of it if we keep watching Uncharted Territory, which uh, seems like it would be a cool thing to do. Yeah. Uh, Next up, we have uh, the Beaver Boys, John Silver and Alex Reynolds. Very fun team we've seen a few times. Uh, basically, um, I don't know if it was officially an open challenge or they just had the mystery opponent or what, but they end up wrestling none other than Aussie Open, a team that we just can't seem to quite get away from. <laughs> escape <laughs> um, is the proper word, I think. We can't <laughs> escape Aussie Open. And I'm going to be honest, um, by the end of this match, this match was all right, this match was good, but... If this had just been a singles match between John Silver and Dunkzilla Davis, yes. um, I would have been incredibly happy. And we didn't get enough of the two of them facing off in the match proper. Mm-hmm. Seems like every time they got a chance to square off, one of them would end up tagging out to uh, one of their partners a few seconds later. It was always just very disappointing. Um, the match <laughs> itself was very – I thought it was pretty good. Um, I think it could have been better. It was an all right match, but um, – they they came out there, they wrestled some pretty good tag stuff, there were a lot of cool tag moves done in here, a lot of good sequences, I thought, but uh, overall, it was a pretty decent time, but really genuinely wished this had just been kind of a singles match between Silver and Davis, and that if not, that we had actually gotten a little bit more of Silver versus Davis in this match. That, to me, was the big draw, and I just never could quite uh, get get it properly in this match, so slight slight disappointment there. Uh, strong agreement that Silver and Davis were hugely the standouts of this. I thought they were actually both brilliant. Uh, even to have it in my notes, like, Aussie Open is here. I just don't quite like them. And then I immediately, like, backpedal and, like, oh, wait, I actually love Davis because he was doing cool <laughs> things this whole match long. Um, yeah, I just... No, I, just I, I, I really him. like Mark Davis. I, I He's actually awesome, so I don't argue with you at all. Um <laughs> And I, I continuously, I like, forget this. how good he is, just because I'm, I just don't like Kyle Fletcher very much, so I'm like, Aussie Open, oh no, but oh wait, Mark Davis, he's doing amazing things, so. 
at one point on commentary, I think Josh Briggs, who is a genuine big man, a, mm. a very big, a very big person, yes. called Kyle Fletcher a big boy, and I was like, no, we're not <laughs> doing this. If you do the heavyweight shit on this show, I'm gonna lose my goddamn mind. I'm sorry. <laughs> Kyle Fletcher is like a six foot two string bean. Yes. I'm sorry. He just is. Okay. Please stop doing this. I'm begging you. I am. Please, somebody listen to me. Stop doing heavyweight. Kyle Fletcher, it is infuriating. Don't it's do it. Please, weird. God. Yeah, it's not for me. Um, but yeah, actually, I think I like this match even more than you did, actually. I think it was probably one of the better ones on the show in my book. Uh, performed really well here. Um, yeah, a lot of love to Mark Davis. A lot of love to John Silver, too, who I really do think is just an. Uh, awesome talent um mm. and i hope good things continue to happen for this guy alex Reynolds awesome is very and, uh, solid also i don't want to leave him out of the convo an awesome and unique talent is john silver will never forget his run as the shard in jakar and the pieces of hate uh, who are for a very short-lived time probably one of the best tag teams on the face of the planet when they were doing their thing so uh, john silver always fun in my book just a very weird guy a very unique and uh talented uh, wrestler, so always good to see him. And like I said, I really wish we got a lot more of a uh, John Silver versus uh, Dunks of a Davis in this match. Indeed, uh, we follow this up with uh, a unique idea that I like. Um, basically, something called the Discovery Gauntlet, which I guess is uh, two kind of uh, fresh talents to be on wrestle each other, and whoever wins gets to come back again next week and keep wrestling new people and. Uh, you know, if they impress enough, then they'll probably get booked regularly on the show, even if they get knocked out of the gauntlet at some point. Um, it's a cool idea. I like it. A uh, little talent, uh, a little uh, interview from Gabriel Sky, who's a new talent that I've never heard of. I uh, don't know if he was much on the mic, but I thought he uh, looked pretty good in the ring. Uh, the other guy, his opponent, is none other than Mick Moretti, a guy that we know fairly well from appearances in Chikara. Uh, a full rat scallion, Mick Moretti, and indeed. I just gotta say, he might be. Um, I, I don't get to see him too often, but when I do, he just immediately like takes me in. He might be one of my favorite wrestlers, just 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 period. Because, like I said, I don't get to see him too often. Um, I don't think I've watched any actual professional wrestling from Australia, save for maybe once or twice. But um, every time Mick Moretti shows up, I'm just enamored with him. I love his mannerisms. I love his in-ring work. I love his look. Very kind of upset, actually, that he shaved his uh, beard and his hair yeah, at too. some point. Yeah, me too. Was a, uh, if he had shaved one or the other, I think it would have been a much better look. But um, still, comes out here, he's being a weirdo. He's uh, standing on his head multiple times in this match. Um, he's, he's great, and I think uh, Gabriel Sky. Um, as you said, not really a, a whole lot on the microphone, I thought, but he's a pretty good young high flyer, I thought. Mm -hmm. He impressed me a lot in this match as well. So uh, in the end, Mick Moretti ends up picking up the victory. Uh, but I thought both guys looked really good. Mick Moretti's always really good. And Gabriel Sky, for a guy I'd never seen or heard of before, definitely, I think, uh, proved his chops in this match. Really good high flyer who's got a lot of potential, I think. So, yeah. This was a, uh, a very surprising match, but a very good match. I really enjoyed this one. Yeah, very enjoyable match. Uh, Mick Moretti gets the win, as he should. Uh, to just jump ahead a little, he comes out later in the show and basically says uh, he's going to keep coming back to beyond as long as he's winning. He's canceling his flights back to Australia. The Australians will forgive him. He's going to stay here until everybody appreciates how great he is, basically. It was a very fine promo, I thought. Yes, indeed. I thought it was a really good promo. He's basically like a 
like a cartoon villain come to life is uh, Mick Moretti, is <laughs> the rapscallion. Just his mannerisms, his voice, the way he like says things, the way he turned to look at the crowd after they said uh, they didn't appreciate him and got everybody to boo just by turning his head and looking at everyone else. So good, really a high quality talent is Mick Moretti. Hopefully, if he's staying in the United States for a little bit to work beyond. Maybe he'll show up at a Jakara show at some point. That would be very nice. So, uh, Mick, if you're listening, uh, Mike Quackenbush or whoever's running the show at Jakara, if you're listening, um, if you can make that happen again, I would very much appreciate it. Please and thank you. Yeah, if he's around, book him. That's definitely uh, mm-hmm. what I would do, for sure. In fact, that just goes for all like the, the promotions in the Northeast. If you've got an opportunity to book Mick Moretti from us here on the Global Revolution, we highly encourage you to do that because he is, he is a very good talent. Love him. Absolutely so. Uh, also on the show, we get to see uh, A.R. Fox taking on Chris Statlander. Another uh, chance to see Chris Statlander, whose name I've heard a number of times recently. My first time seeing her on these uh, two shows here. Um, Working a more uh, serious style in this match, which I thought was uh, very good. She worked in this match, I thought. She well, kicked a lot of butt, insofar actually. as not doing alien mind control, but still kind of yes. doing some silly stuff. Um yeah, um, I was looking forward to this, but I, I don't know. I wasn't actually feeling this one quite so much. Um, it's kind of weird stuff, like Air Fox is trying to low blow Chris Stantlander for reasons I don't quite get. Um, you get Chris Stantlander, like, doing handstands, and Air Fox just kind of stands there until he gets, uh, like, kind of head scissored. Um, I don't know, just some stuff that didn't totally click with me. Didn't think it was bad, uh, but... I thought that it had the potential to be really good, and uh, I don't think it really got there. I, I'm definitely getting the vibe that I enjoyed this match a lot more than uh, than you did. I thought yeah. this was a, a very fine match. I thought uh, Chris Statlander looked pretty good. A.R. Fox, who is, I'd still say, uh, I'd peg as the best wrestler to watch live, because he's just a, a, a treat in the ring as a, a live performer. Um, I thought these two had a pretty solid match, actually. Uh, Chris Statlander throwing some nice kicks in this match, yeah, they did get up to some uh, antics, but uh, other than the low blow, which I wasn't, uh, I, I don't particularly enjoy that that spot. It's very contrived and silly, I think. But um, the head scissor spot I enjoy just because of the, the general weirdness of Chris Statlander being like, oh, you can do a cartwheel, watch this. Just does seven cartwheels and then head scissors AR Fox. I don't know, that worked for me. Um yeah, I, I thought, especially once they got down to the nitty-gritty, once they started really sort of hammering each other home, that both of them, uh, Fox and Statlander, looked really good here. Um, in the end, however, AR, uh, no, Chris Statlander actually picks up the victory, takes a few kicks before rolling up AR Fox out of nowhere to secure herself a three-count and defeat the highest flyer in professional wrestling. I thought this was a good one. Um, fair enough. Um also did not know Air Fox uh, is being managed by his wife now. I, I, I don't know if she's a wrestler herself or connected just by marriage or what. But uh, I guess he's got uh, his wife managing him now, and she has been around on a few shows I've seen. So it's another aspect to his uh, character that you can look at. Mm-hmm. Uh, after the match, we get something a little more interesting. We have Kimberly coming out. Uh, basically seems like she's there to, to praise Chris Dantlander. you going to raise her hand. Give her some props. Uh, I guess they're going to be uh, tag-teaming on a, a later show over WrestleMania weekend. But Kimberly then beats her up for reasons that we do not know. So uh, 
Definitely would not say no to a match between these two. think that could be really great. Don't know quite why this happened, but uh, if we follow the show along, I'm sure we'll find out. I, I think there were some sort of hints laid out uh, during uh, Kimberly's match. I'm not quite sure, but they did uh, on commentary, Josh Briggs, and I cannot remember who his uh, partner was. I apologize. But you were kind of talking about how Chris Stadler has sort of become a, a sort of the face almost of the women's division in uh, beyond or the uh, not necessarily women's division. I don't know if they have a women's division, but of the women wrestlers who work beyond uh, Chris Statlander kind of picked up the role that uh, Kimberly used to have as maybe like the big go to uh, big go to woman on beyond. Uh, maybe there's some sort of jealousy issues, some sort of this is my company. You can't take this over from me sort of things going on. I don't know, but uh, I think that definitely could play a role in whatever this rivalry is. We will just have to uh, wait and see. Uh, yeah, we will indeed. Um, the show moves right along to uh, another match, which might have been one of my most anticipated matches on the card. Uh, it is uh, Jordan Grace and Orange Cassidy, each with a mystery tag team partner. Um, Jordan Grace comes out, uh, basically builds up who her partner will be. It's not Jonathan Gresham or, or one or two other people, but I guess the crowd knows who it is because they're slamming the Terminator theme on their seats, and uh, it is indeed Brian Cage teaming up with Jordan Grace. Orange Cassidy, for his point, uh, well, he's very tired as usual, but he has a brand new championship belt for the uh, Independent TV Championship, um, which uh, which is cool. I like that he's champion. It's weird, but like weirdly right and appropriate, and it's cool that he's got it. His secret partner is none other than Session Moth Martina, who's shown up again here, and they... Uh, They've had their team-ups in the past. They're going to have it again here. So uh, they got four fun wrestlers. They have a really fun match. One of my favorites on the card again. And, uh, yeah, I just had a really good time with this. The uh, the biggest tragedy of this match mm-hmm. is uh, Orange Cassidy, just when he begins to actually start wrestling, uh, hits a hands-in-pockets drop kick, and in the process accidentally crushes and destroys his iconic sunglasses. Good Lord, how uh, I think me and Josh Briggs noticed it before everybody else because he got <laughs> up, he was like, ha ha, and then he turned around and he saw his glasses squished on his back. I, I was, was just thinking about how much that must have hurt. <laughs> like, he, that, I had that thought too when yeah. that happened. Like, ow, that's got to be painful. But um, yeah, this was a very fun match. I like the, uh, the pairing of uh, Session Moth Martina and. Uh, Orange Cassidy, I think they have uh, some good chemistry together, and their uh, their weirdness weirdly matches up. I don't know how, it just does. It's very good. Um, and then, of course, across from them are Jordan Grace and Brian Cage. Brian Cage, very good to see here. Um, I feel like we've seen him a lot, yet I feel like I've gone a while without seeing Brian Cage. So him showing up here to, to kick some butt was a very uh, nice surprise for me. Um, he hit a Tornado DDT in this match. Did Brian Cage left off the top rope and spiked um, poor Orange Cassidy, um, which was which was cool. Um, in the end, if I do recall correctly, uh, K- uh, Grace and Cage pick up the victory against the uh, Orange Moths. What do we want to call them? I have no idea if they have a team name, but uh, Orange <laughs> Cassidy and Martina unfortunately come up short in this match, winners uh, Brian Cage and Jordan Grace in what was another very fun one. We did finally get to see uh, Orange Cassidy wrestle 
on this set, and it was uh, very much well worth it, I thought. Yep, always worth it, waiting for Orange Cassidy. I will say, um, I'm not the biggest fan of Martina. Like, uh, she can be funny. Uh, I don't dislike her, but to me, uh, she's more on the Joey Ryan scale, you know, than the Orange Cassidy scale, because... you know, it's a bit sexualized, it's a bit, you know, the alcohol humor, and that's all fine. It's just not necessarily my personal taste, so uh-huh. um, it's a slight drawback to me, but she definitely did a good job. Uh, you know, she she pleases the crowd very well, um, and, you know, I, I do find her funny at times, just not as consistently as I might uh, someone like Orange Cassidy. I think that's fair, but uh, comparing her to Joey Ryan, I think might be... I, I don't know. I'm not a Joey Ryan dude, so that's a bit uh, that's a bit offensive and hurtful to uh, uh, Session Moth Martina. I think I've enjoyed her a lot more than I've uh, enjoyed Joey Ryan's uh, shtick um, since he adopted it. Um, well, I don't love her. Fair enough, but, uh, but uh, did she or did she not do a spot in this match where she kind of trapped Jordan Grace's arm, you know, in her uh, and then, then arm breaker and like did a. I don't know, a, like, a an breaker, breaker like an arm breaker, like an arm wrench thing. So. But see, that that worked for me because okay. I was just like, um, yeah, I, like like you, she's not necessarily my favorite. I mean, she's kind of like when she shows up, I'm very pleased. Like it's like, ah, oh, cool, session mods here. When she actually proceeds to get in the ring and do stuff, it's it's kind of hit or miss for the most part. But I feel she uh, she has more moments and more matches where she hits uh, pretty decently, as at least in my opinion, compared to. A dude like Joey Ryan, who just feels very much uh, played out at this point. So I, I appreciate her a little bit more than I uh, appreciate uh, the penis man, Joey Ryan. <laughs> and that's fair, because uh, I think I would agree with that. Um, she's not quite uh, as far down that scale. Um, mm. Yeah, I do like Martina, so I, I take your point. Um, I, I do think at some point we are going to have to see uh, what she's been up to in stardom, because I know she's part of, uh, I think she either <laughs> is or was part of Oedo Tai doing some uh, work there. I don't know if we've seen too many actual matches of her from her stardom run, and I wonder how different that is, if it's different at all from what she, uh, what we're more normally used to. So mm. at some point we may have to kind of look into that and see uh, what she's been doing there, because that, that could be something uh, very unique and interesting, or it could just be more of the same, but we'll have to see. I'm sure we will. Uh, WrestleMania weekend has really disrupted our kind of normal viewing habits, and it may do so for another Which, week or two. But, yeah, we'll definitely get back to uh, stardom and uh, more Dragon Gate, all that more typical stuff that we cover, so... Look out for that in the near future. Indeed. Uh, good stuff. I think, I believe, we have only our main event left to cover. It is David Starr taking on Masato Tanaka. As I mentioned, uh, David Starr is awesome. This match is very hard-hitting. Uh, we do, at the end, again, get some uh, good storyline development. Um, there, there's a ref bump. We have first Penelope Ford distracting David Starr, and then Joey Janela returning, I guess, uh, to the ring, I, I would suppose, because he was out injured for quite a while, I remember. Uh, he appears to kick David Starr in the dick. Uh, all of this up to this point was very good, and then something happened that was very not good to me. Um, and I understand when you have Masato Tanaka there, it's one thing, I guess, but uh, I just don't have any place for this in my modern wrestling. Uh, Masato Tanaka ends up hitting David Starr with an unprotected chair shot to the head, and uh, it just gives me the heebie-jeebies, you know. Uh, David Starr, I'm sure, has every right 
to make adult decisions and decide if he wants to get hit in the head with a chair, but I don't want to be there for that because it makes me uncomfortable and I don't, I'm not a fan and it just, uh, it gives me the willies. So really wish they hadn't done that. I thought, uh, it was a really strong match without doing that and it sort of took me out of it. So that's just my opinion. And, uh, once again, not too long ago, we saw Ilya Dragunov take some, uh, head chair shots, but he got his hands up and he still made him look sure. good. You know, it's certainly possible to do that even if he, uh, David Starr had to get like one arm up because he was so in the low blow spot. Whatever you got to do, just, yeah, that definitely made me uh, cringe. I kind of had the feeling it was coming on, and it was like, yeah, oh no, please just don't. It's Masada then... Tanaka, but yeah, it just yeah, <sighs> these guys, David Starr in particular, is is definitely good enough to to get this stuff over without without that. Uh, and this is so close on the heels, really, just probably one day removed, um, one way or the other, from him trading those skull to skull headbutts with uh, Lucky Kid. So man, David Starr. You're a super talented guy. Like, protect your brain, please. You know, maybe you're doing it in some secret way that I don't know about. And if you are, that's great. But still, I'm getting, like, I'm just getting the heebie-jeebies from all these, like, dangerous uh, headshots. So it's just not necessary. Yes, and and once again, uh, I think we've said this before. As fans, we're not trying to tell professional wrestlers what to do. We're not trying to tell them, you know, you know, as one adult to another, you know, the decisions they should be making or they need to be making or else or anything like that. Just, you know, as, as people who are, you know, want to continue watching you hope for your, you know, your best health and stuff like that while in a wrestling ring, if there's things you can do to limit uh, the potential of injury of severe injury. And once again, in a post Shibata world, I will stress this until the day I die, basically, in a post-Shibata world, after he headbutts himself basically literally into retirement during that match. It's just stuff like that is unnecessary. Stuff like that is not good. And once again, if you know you're a professional and you're also your own person, you you know, you have that bodily autonomy, you get to make those decisions, that's fine. I understand that. I respect it i just it just makes me cringe it just makes me worry unnecessarily and it brings down uh the enjoyment of certain wrestling matches and wrestling moments much like this one um because otherwise this match was i thought very good yeah uh, david star and masato tanaka um had some pretty good chemistry in this match they wailed on each other a couple of times it was always fun to see tanaka do you know throw forearms and kind of rock uh david star throughout this match two of them were very uh fierce against one another and yeah the sort of ending stretch after david Starr pulls the ref into uh a bump and then joey janela shows up and all hell basically breaks loose towards the end of this match all that was very good uh very enjoyable overall really had a great time with this one except for that chair shot which i knew was coming and made me as i said cringe and kind of curl up in a uh not particularly happy way so uh yeah, the uh, less of that that we do, uh, the better, I think. So, uh, yeah, just just the one uh, mar on an otherwise really great uh, main event here for the first Uncharted Territory show. Mm. Yeah, very good stuff. Uh, would strongly consider checking out again. Um, if we had uh, more time on our hands, I would definitely commit to it right now, but uh, we'll have to wait and see kind of what, uh, what, what time we have available. But, yeah, I hope to mm-hmm. check out a lot more. Uncharted territory in the near future. Some very good stuff. Indeed. 
Uh, I think that's everything we wanted to talk about tonight. Is there anything else that you wanted to go over, my friend? Uh, I know we're getting closer to uh, Darren Gates' Dead or Alive. Once again, it's the uh, stipulation this year that um, people are basically going to be eliminated from their stable uh, based on certain things that happen. We'll get uh, more into that in the near future. Um, i trying to think of what else. Um, we still do have a Chikara to go over from this weekend. I did manage to catch a few of those matches uh, during its live uh, viewing, during its live showing. Um, really think uh, when we get to that, um, it's going to be a good time for uh, Miz fan here and for you listeners at home and for me to actually check out the whole show. So that looks like a, uh, a good one. So be on the lookout for that when we do it. Um, I know WXW's got a couple of things coming up. I think they announced their uh, show or some of their matches for uh, Superstars of Wrestling, uh, the, tur- the tour that they do. Um, yeah, so there's a lot of things coming up in the near future for some of our favorite promotions, and there's still some a uh, couple of WrestleMania weekend shows that we're going to cover here on The Global Revolution. Uh, if you're interested in any of that, keep following us, keep listening to us, and hopefully you will enjoy it as much as we almost certainly will. Absolutely so. Definitely planning to check out that Chikara show next week as well as uh, perhaps that match we've alluded to a few times, that uh, Invisible Man, Bryce Remsburg Maestro performance from uh, Joey Janela Spring Break Part 1. I'm, I'm definitely feeling like that could be a show worth checking out. Some wild stuff on that uh, show. And it seems like uh, GCW decided to wait and book their kind of more problematic people on Part 2, which we will probably not be covering. So that's, uh, Good. That, that's Good. a win as well, I think, for us. Uh, <laughs> that's my one drawback with uh, Janelle and GCW, as they do associate with a few people. I would rather just keep to one side. But uh, as long as they're not actually on the show, I think we're going to be okay. You know, we can we can send the message that way if we need to. So, um, But, yeah, I, I do think that is everything then. So... Cool. Thanks, everybody, for listening to the show. If you ever want to shout us out, we're on Twitter. I am at Spectral Gent. He is at Big Def Energy, B-I-G-D-E-F Energy. I uh, hope you all check out the other great programs on LLP Radio and uh, go on to lordsofpain.net and LLPforums.com for a lot of grit, written material. Come join that conversation. That is everything. Thank you very much for listening. Until next week, we have been The Global Revolution. See ya.